like parenting does not come with a manual. When our oldest daughter, Tammy Jo, was born, uh, they said, you've got to take her home. And I said, well, we need a little help. And they gave me, uh, gave us, I think, uh, three or four cloth diapers. Y'all remember the cloth diapers? Uh, uh, maybe some uh, Inframil and said, good luck. Did not come with the manual. And 23 plus years ago, when our first grandchild was born, she didn't come with a manual either. So I thought, you know, would look at the grandparents today and um, uh, go into God's Word to see what He had to say. And yet, the word grandparents not found. Then I thought, well, why doesn't the Bible talk about grandparents? Because there's a bunch of them. All the patriarchs were grandparents. Children's children is what the Bible usually comes up with. And so we're going to look at that today. Good parenting, good grandparenting does not come accidentally. It's something I've learned you've got to work at. Uh, Sometimes we know what to do. Most times we don't know what to do, but we want to look at that today. It takes some time. We read all the scriptures about children's children, but here's one in Psalms 128, verse 6. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children. Peace will be upon Israel. One thing the Bible makes clear is that grandparenting often determines in righteousness the love of God being passed down from generation to generation. What do you want to pass down to your kiddos? Um, Maybe a love of sports or a love of the outdoors or love of cooking. Well, those things are fine and have certainly a place. I want to pass down to our grandkids the righteousness of God, the love of God, and let them see that. If grandpa and grandma do not care about God, and if it's not a priority in their lives, the flame of faith will go out quickly, and the torch cannot be and will not be passed down from generation to generation. But if grandparents and parents are faithful to God, grandchildren can pick up on that and leave off, or pick up where we leave off and keep the fires of faith burning. In Psalms 103, verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting and upon them that is fear in him. His righteousness unto his children's children to such keep his covenant to those that remember his commandments to do them. I'm reminded in the book of Job. Uh, Job is an interesting book. I, I love Job. I, I've taught several classes on Job and uh, sermons on Job. We've had a class or two here on Job. Um, Job never found out what was going on, did he? He never found out that there was a contest between God and, and Satan. But the last chapter of Job, after he had uh, been through all the troubles and trials, losing his animals and his camels and his sheep and his children, um, after that, he had seven sons and three daughters. And Job lived 140 years and saw his sons' sons and his sons' sons even four generations. 
that was probably the best blessing that Job had, not long life per se, but seeing his kids and his kids and his kids. And if they were anything like his daddy, who we even had a birthday party would offer a sacrifice just in case they said something or did something wrong, that's the kind of faith that he wanted to pass down. Remember the Apostle Paul when he wrote the young preacher Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, when I call to remembrance, he says, now think about you, Timothy, the unfringed faith that's in you, he reminds me of your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in you as well. That's what we want to do, pass down our faith from child to child to child, from our children's children. So what is the role of grandparents? What, what are we to do? What are we to be about? Let me give you some words here, and uh, uh, maybe they're meaningful to you, maybe not. First word is consistent. Consistent. It, it, it's hard not to be consistent. That's not the word, is it? Okay, it is consistent. Our children and our grandchildren need to see a consistent life in us. That does not mean the same old, same old. But in matters of faith that need to see a firm, strong faith in us. Our children, our grandchildren will ju be just about as faithful in attending services as we are. Did I say something wrong? <laughs> they will consider giving. And the contribution plates are passed around just about like we give. They'll consider service to God and, and service to others, just about like we consider service to God and service to others. They'll pray, just about like we pray. So if you want to know what your kiddos and what your grandkids are going to be like, just get a mirror and take a good long look. There are exceptions to that rule, but basically they're going to be like us. Y'all with me on that? Does that make sense? They're going to follow our example. They'll put priorities in place just about like we put priorities. Brother Cecil is always talking about put first things first. Well, if we don't put first things first, they won't either. If football and, and baseball and, and fishing and hunting, and there's nothing wrong with those things, and uh, going shopping, if those are the priorities of our life, our grandkids are going to pick up on that and they'll become their priorities as well. You see how important it is for us to live as Christ lived? That's what Paul said uh, to us to do. Know it, believe it, accept the responsibility or not, our kids are going to grow up just about like their grandparents. Just about like us. They need to see a cons constant life, consi consistent life that we live before the Lord. There is a verse, and it's caused a lot of pain for a lot of people. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. You know what it says? If I start it, you can finish it. Train up a child. The way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That's a general rule, and I think it's a true rule, but it doesn't always happen that way. You can still train a child up and they go crazy. But that's a basic route. 
what it is, we do the right thing the right time, then kiddos will turn out the right way. Number two, caring. Caring. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. We've looked at this before in this class. It's the judgment scene where the Lord separates the sheep from the goats. Down to verse 34. And then shall the king say unto the right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you the foundation of the world, because I was hungry in your what class? Hello? I can't hear you. Gave me food, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was naked, and you sick and in prison, and you visited me. Now, what's their response? Lord, when saw we thee hungry and fed you? When did we ever give you a glass of water? When did we ever bring clothes over to you, clothed you with? When were you in prison and we visited you sick? And look what his response is. Inasmuch as you've done one of these, at least my brethren, you've done it unto me. We've had a lot of people in the hospital recently. We've got a secretary that keeps us elders abreast of what's going on. I really appreciate Sharon. Um, if I announced to you that Jesus was at Baptist South in room 319 and would like visitors this afternoon, what would you do this afternoon before you took your nap? know what I'd do. I'd go visit Jesus, wouldn't you? Jesus says, inasmuch as you've done unto one of these, the least, my brethren, you've done it unto who? Hello? Unto me. And those on the left hand, verse 41, depart from me, and the same scenario, I was hungry, you fed me not, thirsty, you gave me not drink, Naked, you clothe me not. Sick and in prison, you visit me not. Lord, when were you that way? If we had known it had been you, we would have come by to see you. We would have fed you. I'd, I'd have bought a cake at least from, from Sam's or Costco. Inasmuch as you did it not, one of these, at least my brethren, you did it not unto me. Both groups, those on the right hand, those on the left hand, both of them were surprised that what they did towards others counted. Both of them, the right hand and the left hand, both of them were, were surprised that that counted. And yet, our kiddos noticed those kind of things. When you stop at a red light and there's a guy holding a sign says, uh, hungry. Reach in the console and pick up some change and say, this will buy you a hamburger. Our daughter in Florence, one of the two, I know she does. Anytime they see somebody needing something, she'll stop the van with her seven kids roll the window down and give them something. What do you think her kids are going to do when they get her age? Most of them are too busy. Oh, he wants cigarettes or he 
buying liquor with it. I'm not going to give that. But he may. But when I give it to him, it's his responsibility. Kids pick up on that big time. I told you the story before. I'll tell it again. I was in, uh, we were working in Milton, Florida. And uh, the church building from our house was six miles away. It's our first house to ever buy. And uh, one Sunday night, I was just tired as I could be, and got in the car with my oldest daughter, Cammie Jo. And back then, the seat belt was her seat was on the on the armrest. Y'all with me on this? It was it was legal back then, and the seat belt was this. Y'all remember that? Well, we drove home. Lynn had gone ahead and came to this road with a T. And you could see a mile that way. You could see a mile that way. Our house was on to the left. And you could see the house from, from where we had this, had this stop sign. Somebody, and it didn't, when we first moved there, it wasn't there. But somebody, I guess countywide or whatever, put a stop sign there. And there was no need for a stop sign. Maybe a yield, but did not need. Y'all know roads like that that have stop signs do not need one? Well, this was one of them. And uh, so it was getting dust, so. I could see it. There was a car coming, and there was nothing to my left. There was nothing to my right. And so when I got that stop sign, I just rolled all the way through. And it didn't take long for my oldest to say, Daddy, what does S-T-O-P spell? Sometimes they're too smart. <laughs> it, it, it spells stop, honey. Why? Well, you didn't stop back there at that stop sign. I said, well, honey, you can look to your left, you can look to your right, you can see all the way down the road. There was nothing coming. There was, it didn't bother anybody. There wasn't any harm done. There was nothing. There was no reason to stop. And she said, when I get to your age, do I have to stop? I said, oh, yes, you have to stop at every, you better be stopping every. Well, I'd already taught the lesson. So I got to the house. I got feeling bad. And I said, don't get out of the car. We turned around, drove back six miles to the church building, stopped the car there started back up, drove back up, got to that stop sign, and I stopped that car. I mean, I stopped it. And I looked to my left, and I looked to my right, and I looked to my left, and I looked to my right, and I looked at her, and she went like, it's okay now, okay. But the lesson is, you don't have to stop a stop sign. And she says she still remembers me doing that. And I said, do you stop at stop sign? Oh, yes, Daddy, anytime you're with me, I stop at stop signs. <laughs> Our kiddos pick up on us big time. Well, collection. I guess I'm a collector. I, I walk in the mornings, and when I do, I find stuff that people have, have laid out there for me to collect. And I sometimes bring stuff home. But I'm not talking about collecting stamps or collecting uh, coins. I'm talking about collecting memories. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6. Children's children are the crown of the old men and the glory of the children and their fathers. You should know if you don't know, I, we have 11 grandchildren. Um, when they reach the age 13, we take them to Washington, D.C., to see the sights in Washington. We've made the trip, um, I think, four times. We've taken six grandchildren. And it's a long way up there, and the older I get, it gets further and further. Y'all with me on that? It gets further and further. And uh, we thought about 
just give them the money and let that be it. But we do that, uh, and Lord willing, uh, this coming March, uh, we'll take uh, our seventh grandchild uh, to Washington. And I asked them, if they would, to write a little note what they thought or what they liked best about the trip. And I'm going to read those to you. Sammy McCain, and he's one of the older grandchildren, what I remember most from my trip with Nana and Pop-Pop, you know who, which one's which, is going to Smithsonian and Ellen getting, uh, setting off the car alarm, and she did. Emma Davenport wrote, the Washington trip was my favorite part, was going to look at all the war veteran stones. She's talking about the, the great wall, the big wall. But the best part was getting the time with Grandpa and Grandma all by myself, not having to share with them with the 14 others, just, just me and Cooper. Abby McCain, who's the oldest, wrote, I absolutely loved every moment of the Washington trip, from the long car ride to the walks to the museum, the snow and everything. My favorite memory from the trip would probably be the time that we were in line to go through security and go into the White House. It started to snow a little. And by the time we got in the White House, everyone was covered. It was so beautiful uh, to see against the cherry blossom. There was one cherry blossom. Lynn tried to take a picture and almost got us arrested. But anyway, another moment I loved was when we went to Union Station. We had the opportunity to walk around the shops and see the old trains. It was fun experience, and since I was the only grandchild on the trip, uh, we also went to New York for a day, but I wasn't supposed to tell that to other cousins. Seeing the Statue of Liberty was amazing and for sure unforgettable. I loved having the experience, especially since all the memories I have of my trip with my grandparents. Cooper Houghton wrote, I loved all the memorials. I felt like I was paying respect and honor to see them. Maddie, her sister, wrote, his sister, I love the Mount Vernon and being with my grandparents, experiencing history and better understanding our country's history. Ellen Davenport wrote, I love my Washington trip. The best part about it is getting to spend time with Nana and Pop-Pop. I also like my younger cousin Sammy being with us on the trip because he was the one who got in all the trouble. We got to see all the monuments and get souvenirs. But the coolest part was getting to go to, to the White House. I love that best because I love, uh, I loved it whenever I get to spend time with my grandparents. I'm glad they started doing this with all the grandkids. I just don't think they knew my aunt was going to have seven kids at that time. It means so much to spend a little time uh, with, uh, with them, and uh, I cherish it forever. Well, I know that's personal stuff, but did you hear the theme? Did you hear the theme? Spend time with grandparents. Um, I don't know a lot about grandparenting. I do know if you don't spend time with your grandkids, you're going to miss it. And before you turn around, we're either gone ourselves or they're grown, grown, grown up and uh, don't want to spend time with them. So why do that? Why take the time out to go to Washington and do all that? Well, they learn to pay homage to memorials and that kind of thing, but basically to collect memories. I don't know what you do. Maybe you go fishing with your kiddos. Maybe you're uh, hunting, some of you guys. Uh, football and all that has a place. 
But whatever it is, uh, it's not the event. It's not that. It's the time you spend together. I remember a story about a man that took his son fishing one day. And they went early in the morning, tried this hole, tried that hole, nothing worked. Uh, just frustrating, nothing, no bites, nothing. And as he drove home, he thought, this has been a total disaster. And the young boy thought, this has been the greatest day to spend with my grandson. You cannot collect enough memories. Well, then copy. Hebrews chapter 8, and this is talking about the law, and I realize it's a little bit out of context, but it says what I wanted to say. For every high priest is ordained, this is verse 3 of Hebrews 8, as offering gifts and sacrifices, therefore it's necessity that they, this man have somewhat to offer. For if it were on earth, he would not be a high priest, seeing the high priest offer gifts according to the law, who served, the law did, as an example and shadow of heavenly things, and as Moses admonished, admonished by God when he was about to build the tabernacle, for he said, See to it, you build according to the pattern shown to you in the mount. But now thou hast obtained a more excellent, how much more, the mediator of a better covenant that established on better promises. Shadow, example of things to come. That's what the old law was and what the old law is. And that's what we as grandparents need to be. We need to be copies so they can see Christ living in us. Um, the next word, and I put it up here, or did I? Nope, I didn't. Prayer. Pray for your kids. Pray for your grandkids. I've told you this before. I walk in the mornings. I usually walk about a little over two miles. And it's early in the morning, so there's not much out there besides barking dogs a few and a squirrel or two and rabbits in our, our neighborhood. But I call every grandchild by name before God did this morning I call every parent of those grandchildren by name before God did this morning Lynn and I are blessed we have as you know three girls one's married to an, an elder at Tuscumbia one of them's married to a song leader in uh, Bentonville one of them's married to, who's actually preaching today, to an engineer who's preaching today at uh, Killen. Um, we were blessed with good boys. And the question I asked them, and I've already told you this before, can you help my daughter go to heaven? If you can, then we're, we're okay. But if you can't, then you need to hit the door. Encourage them. Encourage them every chance you get. It's 213 miles to Florence, Alabama. Cracker Barrel, exit 171 is halfway. And we have nine grandchildren up there and every time one of them gets on stage with 50 or 60 other kids, and their mama calls or the grandkids call and says, I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to sing a song. And Do you have a solo? No, I don't have a solo, but I'm going to sing with you know, 50 other kids. Can you come? Lynn says, are we going to use your car or my car? 
that we're going. I don't know how many trips we've made to Florence. But why do that? We have two living in Bentonville, two grandkids. It's 677 miles. It's 10 hours. Memphis is not halfway. And come May, we'll be going up there because uh, the daughter of Cam and Joe, our oldest child, will be graduating from high school. And we'll sit there in that large, large auditorium with um, several thousand other people and watch all 582 people walk across the stage, you know. And then there'll be that moment when she walks across the stage. I mean, it just takes a second to do that. Why would you travel all that way, way just to see a girl walk across the stage? Well, you know. We want them to be encouraged. The word teach comes to mind, teach. Uh, we have Nana Camp every summer. Lynn uh, invites any of the grandkids that want to come to come. Almost all of them came this, this year. We never would get rid of them, but anyway, they came. It is a joy to see Lynn teaching the girls how to make jelly. And by the way, I didn't get one drop of it. They, it all, they all took it home. Uh, I taught our grandson, Cooper, how to turn a pin. And now for his birthday, what do you want for your birthday? He wants a lay, and he got that, and now he's turning pins. Three of them came at one time, and two of them were the twins, and they're seven years old. And I asked uh, Cam, you want to you learn how to turn a pin like Papa? Oh, yes. At seven years old, scared me to death, but we went out there and taught him how to make a pin. Teachable time. Teachable time. The shop, by the way, was about 100 degrees out there. I got a fan, it blows hot air, it gets all hot. But he stayed out there with me to make that pin. By the way, while I'm here, I didn't let the girls drive until they could manually change a tire on the car. They had to find the spare tire, they had to find the jack, they had to find the lug wrench, they had to be able to take the hubcap off, undo the lugs, jack the car up, take the tire off, put the spare on, take it back off, put that back in the, in the trunk, and put it back together. All of them know where the dipstick is. I'm not a dip, I, I'm not about the car dipstick, not me. They know the difference in the transmission oil and the engine oil. They know where the water uh, for the radiator. They know where the water for the, for the uh, windshield wipers. They know that because I wanted them to know that so they wouldn't have to be so dependent upon everybody else. Cecil wrote an article and I wish I had the article to share with you. It's excellent like all of his writings in the Gospel Advocate called Intentional Grandparenting. And what it is, you do it intentionally. It doesn't just happen. Just, oh, there it is. Let's do it this time. You work at it. You try at it. It's a great article. All right. Uh, let's see. 
Why'd that go off? Was that the last slide? Why'd that go off? Yeah. I guess I didn't get the last slide. Last slide is Christ. Jesus Christ. If you don't give your kids and your grandkids Christ, may I say with all the love I can muster, you fail. You can go to all the ball games and drive hundreds and thousands of miles to go to them and that's good and spend time with your kiddos and that's fine like we've been talking about but if you don't share Jesus with them you've messed up the slide says Matthew 16 26 but what is a man profited he should gain can you finish it the whole world and lose his soul. Now, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? The greatest gift you can give your kids and your kiddos, the greatest, is Jesus Christ. And if you're not faithful, what all that includes, which includes a lot of things, I'm just talking about not attending services every time the door is open, but if you're not faithful in service to God, very likely your kids won't be either. Christ is better than trips, better than cars, better than money. It is the best gift that you can give. If you gain the world, if they gain the world, but lost their soul, then you have not really done well. One more thing. In Galatians chapter 5, if you want to turn there, you know these. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit, but let's talk about them just quickly. Here's some gifts you can give your kids. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Agape love is a wonderful kind of love. It's a love that there's no price tag to it. Agape love says, I love you even when you're not loving. Even when you're unlovable. When the kids were coming along, we had uh, our second daughter. She was not a colic baby, but she got really close to it. She did not like to sleep. Well, she liked to sleep during the day, but didn't sleep at night. Y'all with me on that? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, if I could just get some quiet. Just... Just an hour of quiet so I can close my eyes. But she didn't do that. She cried whenever you needed to sleep. But we still loved her. Our love for her never, never ended because we couldn't sleep. Unconditional love. And by the way, that agape love is saying, I love you no matter what you do to me. That's how you can, as the Lord commands us to, love your, what? Enemies. How can you love an enemy? Because agape love says, I love you in spite of what you do, not because of what you do. 
joy. I love this song we sing at BBS. I got the joy, joy, joy. Where? Down in my heart. If you understand what all Christ has done for us, joy is not hard to have. The acrostic for joy is Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's what joy really is. When you put others before yourself, we're commanded to do that, but it's sometimes difficult to do that. There's joy for us. If you don't believe that grandkids can see that kind of joy, then... uh, just open your eyes and look. And peace. The peace that has it go passes understanding. A peace that God gives us. We have to share that. We're not worried about the problems of life. I don't look at everything being how bad it is and how tragic it could be and you could I get to travel a lot last Wednesday night I was in um, Selma, Alabama last Sunday I was in Demopolis I believe somewhere Yahweh, maybe Davenport anyway I travel at night on the summer series I spoke about five or six, eight times this year and one of them was down in Crestview, Florida. Crestview is a good ways from here. Uh, they, their services on Wednesday night, folks, is at 7 o'clock. <laughs> I'm in bed by 7 o'clock. But went down there. time I got through was 8 o'clock. time I got through speaking to everybody, it was 8.30, quarter to 9, and then head home. And it's a two-hour drive, a little over. Uh, and you go through... Bruton and uh, Andalusia. We're talking about back roads. And you turn your lights on the car and you see light and little eyeballs over here and over there. And you say, please don't, dears, please don't run across in front of me. By the way, I got stopped on the way back. I guess I confess this. I'm an elder, I can confess too, can't I? Got stopped by the police. Pulled me over. There was nobody. That's one of those nobody coming. Hadn't seen anybody except the blue lights behind me. And I finally found a place to pull over. And, and um, he rolled my window down. And he said, I want to see your license and your insurance. I said, yes, sir, sir. Got those out and handed it to him. Had my hands on the steering wheel like you're supposed to. And uh, he went back to his car. I guess he just turned around because he came right back. And he said, uh, I guess you wonder why I pulled you over. I said, yes, sir, I was. I had the cruise on. It was on 57. But anyway. I did have the cruise on, and I was wondering uh, if I was speeding or whatever, and went through a lighter. I, there was no town around. Your, your uh, tag light is out. You pulled me over to tell me. I didn't say that to him, but I thought about it. You pulled me over to tell me to fix my tag light. I don't know what he pulled me over for, but uh, he was the only thing we saw. What I'm getting at, though, uh, late at night, you're tired, you're sleepy. It wouldn't be anything to run off the road and be the end of things. I was going to Crystal Saturday morning, and uh, right across where that turnaround is on Chantilly, that big turnaround they've made, there was a motorcycle laying sideways over there, and a car had hit him, knocked him over the curb, and uh, I was on a motorcycle at the time. Uh, that can happen anytime. But the peace, 
that God gives you, that if that does happen, it's okay. I don't want to be in a wreck. But if I am, and I die from it, it's okay. Because I'll be a lot better off. Long-suffering. How long is your patience? My daddy, bless his heart, great, great man, great preacher, but he had absolutely no patience. He wanted to take the kids to Disney World, so he took three kids to Disney World. Got upset because there was a long line of cars to get in, into Disney World. Didn't like having to pay to park in Disney World. Then there was a long line to get on the tram at Disney World. Didn't like that. And then there was a long line to get a ticket at Disney World. And he said, here's my card, here's my money. I'm going to be on that bench right over there. I'll sit here until y'all get through. He had no patience at all. Where's your pa- How about patience, long-suffering with your husband, with your wife, with your kiddos, with your grandkids? How about gentleness? There are people that just pop in my mind as I think about the word gentleness. I could call, they're in this auditorium this morning, just gentle. How about self-control? That's a good one. If someone cuts you off out here on Atlanta Highway, and they will, what's your reaction? Yeah, get them. I'll speed up and get in front of them and make them wait on me at the next light. And by the way, if you happen to be praying at a light, your head down, don't worry. They will tell you it's time to, to go. They will let you know. Let me put my foot back on the gas. You know, wait a minute. How about kindness? Wouldn't that be nice? Just a little kindness. Uh, we've started school back, and... It may just be me, but I think we've got some of the best kids we have ever, at least as kind you can be. Holding the door open, maybe I'm just older, maybe they say he needs the door to be held open for him. Holding the door open for me, go in front of me in, in line, speaking to you, just, just kind. I hope they continue doing that. We need that. He says, such things there is no law. Add these Christian graces to your life. And your grandkids and your children will see that and God will be glorified. I don't know if this is helpful to you tonight, today or not. I, uh, I know it's a lot of personal stuff in here and that's not always good. But I wanted to share those things with you because, oh, there's a bell. I want you to be the best grandparent that this state, that this county, that this city knows. And only you can make that happen. Let's close with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessings you give to us. We're thankful, Father, for the children you've given to us, put in our care. And for those of us who are husbands, we know the responsibility of being the spiritual leader is given to us. Thank you, Father, for godly wives, godly mothers, godly grandmothers. 
may each of us today consider our life and consider our life before our grandkids and our children and be the very best example we possibly can be that you're glorified and you're honored by our very lives. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray and amen.